0: back episode five post Super Bowl pre-spring training sort of that lull in the sports calendar when nothing's really going on uh we'll talk about the Super Bowl we'll talk about what lies ahead for the Chicago Bears uh among other things and uh, a fun conversation off topic per se uh on tap here in episode five Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Kansas City Chiefs 31 to 9 in Super Bowl 55 um I was almost put to sleep by that game, to be honest with you. Um, Pat Mahomes really never had a chance. Uh, that Chiefs offense was completely shut down by the Buccaneers defense, and uh, and Tom Brady gets his seventh ring. I suppose I buried the lead there a little bit with uh, with Tom Brady getting his seventh ring. If you can believe that, seven out of ten uh, Super Bowl wins for Tom Brady. Seven out of ten. I th- I'll mention this in in my conversation with Jordan Burnfield coming up here, but. Tom Brady has played in almost, not quite, but almost 20% of the Super Bowls in history. He's been playing since was it, 2000 or 2001, and the Super Bowl has been in existence since 1963. <laughs> if you think about that, almost 20% of the Super Bowls in history have included Tom Brady. That's, that's a crazy stat to think about, but uh, yeah, Tom Brady gets his seventh, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers... Um, I, I forget where they finished last year, to be honest with you, but it's amazing what one player can do to a franchise. And, and granted, Tom Brady isn't every one player that comes to a franchise like that. But, I mean, think back for the Cubs. It was, you know, we could call it John Lester signing here in 15 and, and ultimately leading, you know, the Cubs to a World Series in 16. Marion Hosa signing with the Blackhawks in 2009. Three Stanley Cups later, Marion Hosa, maybe – uh, in contention for the best free agent signing in Chicago history. That's another debate for another podcast. But, uh, yeah, it really is amazing what one player can do for a franchise, whether it just be a, a massive improvement at his position or it's it's him attracting other players to come to Tampa Bay in this case, right? Talk about Leonard Fournette. Rob Gronkowski out of retirement. Antonio Brown back from the NFL graveyard, so to speak. Players want to play with Tom Brady. They want to play with the greatest because they know it elevates their chance to get a ring. You change the culture and good things happen. And that's, that's exactly what happened in Tampa Bay. Um, uh, As for the game itself, you know, quite frankly, when both starting tackles for the chiefs were out COVID injury, whatever it was, man, it was going to be tough for them. You know, knowing what what that Buccaneers defense did to Aaron Rodgers just two weeks earlier. And then you have a couple of backup tackles in the game for Kansas City. Yeah, I I was just disappointed that we didn't get to see, you know, both teams at their best, right? It's supposed to be the culmination of both, you know, uh, two great teams. You know the winner from each conference, right? It's supposed to be it's supposed to be a matchup of the best of the best, and and we didn't get that this year. And and I, I suppose that sports injuries happen, and in 2020, 2021, COVID happens, so uh, we didn't get to see the Chiefs at at their best. And ultimately, it it produced a rather rather boring game, but uh, so it goes. We'll move on, and uh, I think the Chiefs will be will be back. Maybe not next year. Who knows? I mean, obviously. Long way to go before the next football season starts. It always seems like it's the longest off season, right? It's got to be. It's almost eight months of an off season for the NFL. I guess we can call it seven, right? Beginning of February, first games usually second weekend in September. So we'll call it seven months off for the NFL. But it's 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 always such a long off season, even though there's different events sprinkled in there, right? The combine, the draft, training camp, etc. So. We'll see what happens. Uh, coming up on this episode of the podcast, uh, we'll talk with Jordan Burnfield, one of my old radio friends, and uh, he is uh, in the midst of calling some games for ESPN and the Big Ten Network uh, in the college basketball world. Uh, we'll touch on the Super Bowl. We'll hit on the Bears, and we'll take a swing around Chicago sports with him. And then, um, you know, when I when I started doing this, when I came up with the idea for this podcast. Um, knowing that there were going to be some lulls in the sports calendar and, you know, not really trying to get a job in sports radio anymore. So, uh, you know, I I thought it would be a good idea to venture into some other areas of interest. And one of the the big themes over the last year has been the survival of small businesses. And a good friend of mine is a small business owner, and uh, her name is Sarah Gosling. And uh, we'll have a nice conversation with her Uh, about her experience as a young entrepreneur and then a young entrepreneur through uh, a global pandemic of epic proportion. So that's coming up on Episode 5 of And We're Back. Here's Brady's pass. It's Gronkowski! Back again! The biggest tandem for touchdowns now
1: in postseason history. The old Patriot teammates reunite in the Super Bowl for a score. Jim Nance and Tony
0: Romo on the call of Super Bowl 55 as Tom Brady takes down number seven, the most all time for uh, an NFL player, an NFL quarterback, uh, just further cementing his reputation and uh, um, stature is the greatest of all time. And uh, here to touch on that and, and so much more is an old friend of mine from my radio days. It's Jordan Burnfield, JB, welcome. How are you, man?
1: I'm doing great. How are you Brady?
0: Pretty good. Pretty good. It's been a while since you and I got together and had a conversation. So uh, give us a career update. What's what's a Jordan Burnfield up to these days?
1: Yeah. So um, calling games for ESPN and uh, some of the local uh, teams as well, you know, doing Loyola on NBC Sports Chicago. And, uh, you know, we did some games for Big Ten Network this year and still i'm actually back working at wgn oh nice uh, where you and i used to work together yeah. yeah doing some news and sports over there and uh apart from that uh all is well i mean wife is uh is is very pregnant at this oh point, hey so
0: congratulations That a boy
1: thanks thanks <laughs> so we are uh we're, we're hanging in there we're staying healthy hope you guys are you and your family are doing the same and so uh you know it's just a, a a very weird time but hopefully we'll be through it soon.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's looking up. Uh you know, uh, we said, I don't know, what is it? it's been almost a year now. Um and and actually just um just this past weekend, I, I'm sure you remember I'm I'm a high school basketball official, so um I just started my season last night and we're going to squeeze um probably a, a good 2 months worth of basketball into about 6 weeks. So Uh, Wow. (laughs) Come, come the middle of March, my legs and my dogs are going to be barking, but hey, that's okay. At least we get to be out there. You know, even, even a month ago, I was like, there was, there's just no way we're playing basketball this year, but we
1: made it. You did. And that's, you know, I think now that the vaccine is being rolled out, I mean, obviously it will never be as fast as everybody wants. It'll never be perfect because this is an unprecedented situation. But it feels like by this summer, you know, a lot of us, hopefully almost all of us will be vaccinated and, and we can get, get our our lives and our sports lives back to normal. So that would be really nice.
0: Well, when that happens, hopefully you and I can meet up at Wrigley Field and, and have a beer or two.
1: I'm in it. I'm in. That, that sounds great. <laughs>
0: Excellent. Well, hey, before we uh, before we talk some Cubs, because I do want to uh, touch on the Cubs, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about – you Know what we saw on Sunday in the Super Bowl, and uh, if I had to describe that game in one word, JB, it'd be a snooze fest,
1: yeah. I mean, it was not a great Super Bowl, it kind of reminded me in certain ways of the one from two years ago where it was 13 to three, and the Patriots won. Um, another Tom Brady ring, incidentally, which basically every Super Bowl <laughs> these days, um, but you know, I it was just kind of one without a ton of action. You felt like at the end of the half, just knowing how good the chief's offense would normally be that it wasn't over, but it it was over at halftime. I mean, as it turned out, um, the penalties that Kansas city was accruing defensively, just allowed the Buccaneers to get two touchdowns that had they not gotten them. And if it was 14, nine at halftime, perhaps it's a totally different game, but you know, that's just not how it went. And I think you got to give uh, the Tampa Bay defense a ton of credit. They were amazing in the game. They were stifling from a defensive standpoint against Patrick Mahomes, who clearly was more injured than he was letting on. You know, I also thought that we kind of undersold as a media collective a couple of things. One is that Kansas City's tackles were hurt, which is huge. And it was clear that Tampa Bay was just swallowing up that Kansas City line Furthermore, you know, Patrick Mahomes was kind of hurt, right? He had turf toes, so he couldn't move around the way he normally would. And third, it was a Tampa home game, which, you know, we've never had in a Super Bowl, but happened to be the case this year. So I think that that those factors combined with the fact that Tom Brady is just the greatest ever in football um, allowed Tampa Bay to win again. And I don't know what he's doing at 43. I mean, I know he gives his trainer a lot of credit, but I want whatever he's having because that guy is just a freak.
0: <laughs> well, and
1: uh, all all
0: stories and legends of Tom Brady um, you know, if, if you ask people who knew him when he was in college and, and maybe when he was just starting out as a pro, this guy was a legendary beer chugger. I mean, this guy, you know, loved to party and, and I, I guess, you know, the, the whole TB 12 method thing, um, not sure when the last time he had a drink was, but, uh, obviously doing the body good. Um, and he, I mean, he said rather dismissively on the podium after the game that, Oh, oh yeah, I'm coming back. He'll, he'll be 44 this time next year. And if I remember correctly, the Bucks were top three, you know, odds-wise in Vegas to win it again. I mean, if Gronk comes back, Brady comes back, and that defense stays, you know, as 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 potent as it was, you know, I know it's really early to be talking about a Super Bowl repeat, but damn, they got to be they got to be pretty close to being a favorite there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't pick against him. I mean, I think it's a it's a mistake to pick against him. We've seen how many times he's done it. I I will say that I think Kansas city is, is a juggernaut. And I do think that if all, if everyone's healthy for the chiefs and their line is healthy, that, you know, they have as good a shot as any of uh, representing the AFC again. Uh, I mean, I think Buffalo was a good story and they're a good team defensively and Josh Allen's good, but, you know, I wouldn't bet that they're going to be in the AFC championship again. Um, You know, the Steelers, really fell off at the end of last year. I don't, I think the Ravens are okay. I mean, you look at the AFC, you would think that Kansas city has a real good shot of getting back to the Super Bowl. but in the NFC, it's like, you know, what more does Tom Brady have to do? I mean, literally he went through breeze and Rogers and you know, like oh, it doesn't matter who he plays dude wins. He just always <laughs> wins. And so I'm never picking against Tom Brady again. It's just a mistake.
0: Something I was thinking about um, uh, earlier today, uh, the Super Bowl's been around since, what, the early 60s, right? Tom Brady has played in almost one out of five Super Bowls.
1: Yeah, I mean, Tom Brady has been (laughs) to 10 and won seven. The Bears have been to two. (laughs) And
0: and just to think that uh, the Bears were rumored to be a a quote-unquote finalist for Tom Brady uh, just a year ago.
1: I, you know, I don't think that was ever happening. I mean, it really, the only two teams that seemed to really go after him were Tampa Bay and the L.A. Chargers, which I don't understand. Like, the greatest player of all time is available, and you'd rather have whoever. And it's not even just the Bears, all these other teams. Like, I get that he's 43. At some point, Father Time's going to catch up to him, and he won't be good anymore. But the way he's playing, it's not like, you know – You think about Peyton Manning's last Super Bowl, right? Like he was old and the defense carried him to a title. And I I was a huge Peyton Manning fan, but he would tell you that. that. That Super Bowl, he had to have his team carry him to the victory. Tom Brady is still the biggest reason that Tampa Bay is winning. I mean, his defense is great. Don't get me wrong, but he is the guy. And so at this advanced age, I mean, I guess, you know, at least for football years, you'd say, well, you know, maybe he can't keep doing it, but he keeps doing it. So, yeah, I don't get that at all.
0: Yeah, you know, it's uh, the the Tampa Bay offense um, it fascinated me a little bit because they seemingly did whatever they wanted. I mean, you talk about staying on schedule. I, I I'd have to go back and look and and you know see the the whole play by play of the game, but I'm not sure, Jordan. They had many third and fives or longer I mean may, maybe you could count them on one hand I, I would guess I of course I'd probably be proven wrong if um you know if I went back and counted but it always seemed like it was you know second and four third and one and at, at that point the K the KC defense had no shot I mean the the Bucks just did whatever they wanted Tom took what the what the Chiefs were going to give him and um you know if, if you keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes hands he he can't be Patrick Mahomes
1: yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. And, and one thing that I think also is true is that, you know, Kansas City, which has been an opportunistic and good defense, I mean, they just kept committing penalty after penalty. And you can't give the greatest quarterback who'd ever live more chances to beat you. I mean, his, you know, his running back tandem of Mike Jones and, uh, or Ronald Jones rather, and uh, and uh, Leonard Fournette, you know, those two guys were really good on, throughout the game, they were picking up, you know, close to first down yardage on a number of plays, which is kind of just opening things up for the Buccaneers. And, you know, you mentioned Mike Evans, that guy's tremendous. How about Gronk, you know, coming back from retirement and took some time off of, you know, his party lifestyle to uh, catch two more touchdowns in another Super Bowl with Tom Brady. I mean, the whole thing is just kind of ridiculous. Um, But, you know, you got to just, I think that what I've tried to learn to do in my, my you know thirties is to really appreciate things as much as you can, right? And like I'm not a huge Tom Brady fan, but we may never see this again, right? To have a player like sure. this. We'll yeah. probably never see this again. So I'm just trying to appreciate that, you know, one day I'll I'll tell my kid like Tom Brady was just ridiculous and you can't even believe how good this guy was when most people are out of football at 25 this guy was nearly 20 years older and winning Super Bowls I
0: I would uh I would bet that he's played against somebody's kid who he played against in like 2001 and 2002
1: I know that that (laughs) probably is happening and it's crazy right like we we remember when Tom Brady was thrown in when Drew Bledsoe got hurt. And it was like, who, who is Tom (laughs) Brady? Like, I don't even remember watching him in college because I remember Drew Henson being the Michigan quarterback that anybody cared about. So for that guy to go on to be the greatest football player ever is just nuts but that's what it is
0: a sixth round pick with that combine photo I'm sure you've seen that photo of yes, him with his shirt off yes. the, uh, just about the ultimate dad bod right and, and yes it's like at 22 <laughs> head dad bod yeah, yeah. That, that's when he was the legendary beard chugger right yes, yes. <laughs> right uh, so now that we're now that we've put a cap on the NFL season and and quite frankly I wasn't sure you know back in September that we'd make it to Super Bowl 55 just because of you know, COVID and protocols. And we, you know, we saw some games postponed or delayed or or whatever, but Hey, the NFL got it done. Um, it was the first, the first full season to return. Um, so congratulations, honestly, congratulations to Roger Goodell and the NFL. Um, you know, by the end of the, by the end of the season, we had fans in the stands. There were quite a few people at Raymond James Stadium for that Super Bowl, Uh, it looked more full than it was because of all the cutouts they had and everything, but honestly, a hell of an accomplishment by the NFL.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, they plowed ahead. I mean, I think that the NFL's stance, whether you would agree or disagree with it from the get-go, was we're plowing ahead with what we need to do because we're we're the NFL and we can do whatever we want, and they did it pretty successfully. I mean, you're right. They didn't have... I mean, there were... Some issues, obviously, like the Ravens had that one game that was moved to a Wednesday because of the COVID issues that they were experiencing. But it sure seems that most of the people in the league, um, while there were cases which were inevitably going to happen, nobody got, you know, severely sick or anything, which is great. And, you know, it seems that the mitigation strategies that were used uh, at these games were effective enough. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it is pretty amazing that they were able to get this whole thing in. Um, But it it did give all of us who have been sick of sitting in our homes uh, for hours and hours and hours every single day, um, you know, something to do on the weekend. So that I'm, I'm glad that it was able to happen. And I, I sure hope, and um, you know, I don't think anyone would accuse me of being the greatest optimist in the world, but I do think that I'm pretty optimistic that by this coming next season, um, that by that point, enough people will be vaccinated to the point where we will be able to, you know, see crowds of full capacity return to these arenas and and things will be normal again.
0: Yeah, I certainly hope so. Uh, I know they have already um, canceled the scouting combine as as far as being like an in person, you know, traditional scouting combine. So the off season's still going to look a little bit different, even though you know, we completed this season successfully. Um, When you look at the bears, let's bring it back home for a little bit. Um, you know, they have a lot of needs, uh, obviously primarily a quarterback. And to be honest with you, Jordan, I, I was, um, hesitating recording this. It's, it's Tuesday evening. Um, I was hesitating recording this because of the rumors that surfaced over the weekend. I didn't want to record on a Tuesday. And then all of a sudden Carson Wentz is traded to the bears on Wednesday morning. And, and this whole thing is moot, but I, I think that we're okay. But disclaimer, if that happens, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that next week, but, um, So at quarterback, um, what a mess. I mean, what are we looking at here for quarterback, Jordan?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if the Bears go trade for Carson Wentz and give up multiple first-round picks, that would be as Bears as it gets, right? So um, there's almost a poetic hilarity in the idea that the Bears would go try to get a disgruntled, damaged quarterback and give up significant assets to get him because the quarterback they drafted stinks too. And they, they don't know how to remedy this problem. Right. Like, is there anything more bears than that? Um, no, nope. <laughs> I, I don't think that Carson Wentz would be a good option unless he didn't cost you anything. Right. If he was like someone that you would sign to the veteran minimum who could come in that you could take a flyer on for a year. While there's a lot of concerning things about him, from a mental standpoint and just from a character standpoint, I could, I could see that as an argument, right? Like three years ago, he was good and there was a time in which many people felt like he was going to be the next great star quarterback in the league, which he obviously has not materialized into um, due to injury and due to some unforeseen circumstances. But the idea that the bears would give up major assets, um, which in the NFL first round picks are major assets, and also have to take on what is a huge salary hit Uh, for a guy who's not one of the top 25 quarterbacks in the league. I don't even know where he ranks. Uh, It just is, it's crazy to me, but the bears have proven that they're not good at evaluating quarterback talent. And so why would we as a, fan base slash media slash general populace assume that they would be more capable after showing after all these years that they're not right. So right. this is sort of just on brand there. They don't, they don't know how to do it. I mean, they just don't. And <laughs> I don't, you know, it's a separate conversation to have about why the general manager and the coach are still there and why the ownership keeps employing people that don't belong in the roles that they're in continue to do them. But because they're in those roles, and these are the people that are tasked with making this decision, in a lot of ways, Brady, it's not really that surprising to me. Like, these guys don't know how to do it, and they're not doing it again.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. You know, they, they have so many needs and not enough assets to fill all those needs this off season. So I just hope they get uh, you know obviously obviously quarterback is, is the most important, but they need to protect the quarterback. Uh, you know uh, the offensive line, I, I think we I think got better towards the end of the season. Uh, I know they played some bad teams there to you know break their six game losing streak. Um so, uh, you know, offensive line is obviously a priority. Uh, the defense is, you know, seemingly aging and more fragile as we, as we go along. So, um, a lot of needs, not a lot of assets or not enough assets, I should say. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting offseason, you know, up at, up at Hallis hall. And I guess we'll just, we'll just have to wait and see, you know, what the team looks like come training camp. Um, let's talk, let's just briefly touch on the other winter tenants at, at the United center. Um, The Bulls and the Blackhawks, you know, maybe not as bad as we thought, Jordan.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I I think that the Blackhawks have proven that they're pretty gritty as a team, which is, you know, kind of one of those hockey buzz terms, but I think may actually apply here. I mean, I don't think that they have the greatest, you know, talented roster of years past. Obviously, this is a team that's sort of been in between rebuilding fully and trying to compete. And obviously, with... Jonathan Taves out for this prolonged absence, um, you know, at Brent Seabrook being out as long as he is with the salary cap hit that he commands. You know, the Blackhawks are kind of in this weird spot, but they've played better than I expected. I'm, frankly, Brady, I I don't know what you thought. I, I felt like they might be one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah, I, I thought they, so too. Yeah, and they still might be, but right now they're not, which is to their credit, and that's I think they, they've they certainly exceeded it expectations from that standpoint, as far as the bulls go, you know, I think what I'm noticing is that they are so much more professionally managed and coached that that makes a huge difference. I mean, to have Billy Donovan as your coach, like that is big time stuff. And, you know, with our uh, tourists, and Mark Eversley and the guys now running this thing to have been able to attract Billy Donovan. I mean, no offense to Gar and Pac, They were never going to be able to land a coach like that. So to get those guys in there running the team and to now have Billy Donovan running things, it's sort of like, you know, when, when the Cubs went from the previous regime to hiring Theo Epstein and having him build out a organizational structure from the top down and then being able to attract top level coaches you know, that just makes a huge difference in terms of the product on the field right away, right? So the product on the court for the Bulls is much better. And I will say this too. I think Zach Levine is really good. They they need they need some more pieces around him. I was always not so sure about Levine. Um, not that I didn't think he had talent, because he obviously does. I just didn't I, I still don't know that he is a number one option on a championship level team, but I do think he's a piece that you build with i'm not fully sold yet on kobe white um but he's 19 and has development um but i think Mm -hmm. that there there's there are pieces there where you feel like they might be able to be good two or three years from now so i think uh yeah the bulls are way more watchable they're still not a real good team but i think the arrow is pointing up for sure
0: And we're just a few days away here, Jordan, believe it or not, from pitchers and catchers reporting uh, in Arizona. Uh, It's going to be an interesting summer of baseball here in the city of Chicago. Uh, Both teams should be relevant. I don't know about good, at least on the North side, but, um, it, certainly thinks that the Cubs are going to be, um, a a decent team. Um, well, let's start on the North side since that's where both of our allegiances lie. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure where the Cubs are going to get 85 wins unless Kyle Hendricks starts every other game.
1: Yeah. I mean, I listen, what's weird to me about the Cubs going into 21 is when you trade the ace of your staff. That typically means you're not trying to compete. The Cubs on the other hand did that and think they're going to compete. Now it's, it, I always find this picota thing. So amusing because it's just a projection and people lose their minds on social media every <laughs> in, year in the same. middle
0: of February.
1: I know it's just so crazy to be, but um, I was surprised that they have them winning 85 games. I think it's probably a function of the fact that the, and, Central is just not that good. So they probably feel like the Cubs could win a decent number of games in a division. That's not great though. The Cardinals are obviously way better now that they've acquired Nolan Arnado, So I think that the Cubs, the only way the Cubs can really be in this thing is if some of these mid-level starters that they have are good. I mean, Kyle Hendricks is great. After Kyle Hendricks, the rotation is not great. And Really, last year's team in that truncated season was o- only good because they had two elite starting pitchers and they had a hot start to the season, right? right. Like, yep. if you really boil it down, they had Darvish, who was almost the Cy Young winner, Hendricks, who could, you know, have been in that conversation, and then one 13 and three stretch, and that won him the division in a 60 game schedule. So I think that the only, I mean, Could I make an argument that they could be good this year? I could if you assume that Chris Bryant returns healthy and looks something like the player he hasn't been for the last two or three years because of injuries. But let's say he were to come back and look, I'm not saying even MVP level, but something close to the the type of player that we would expect him to be, and then that trickles down to the rest of the roster, right? Like Anthony Rizzo has been the one consistent guy. You would assume he's going to have a good year but Javi Baez is going to have to have a big bounce back after what was a terrible 2020 for him. So if you could extrapolate this idea forward and say Baez and Bryant and Contreras and Rizzo and all these guys are going to have good years and that some of these middling starters that they've acquired are good, then yeah, okay, sure. Maybe they win somewhere between 85 and 90 games. It's harder for me to believe that that's going to happen. I feel like they're a 500 team that if they roll the dice and they're good, maybe they, I almost feel like if they if they are good, they'll ride it out, and if they're not good, but some of the guys that they have individually have good performances, they'll make some midseason trades to try to kickstart a rebuilding effort.
0: Yeah, definitely. And let's um let's jump to the south side real quick. What's your um what's your biggest question mark with the White Sox here?
1: It's always when you have a young team, and you know this Brady from when the Cubs are rebuilding. Like the White Sox had a great year last year; they felt like the 15 Cubs, right? Like. They emerged, they were exciting. All these young players were coming into their own, but it was also in a 60-game season. And Lucas Giolito over the last couple of years has proven to be an outstanding elite-level pitcher. If he continues to ascend, Dallas Keuchel has another good year. The acquisition of Lance Lynn was huge. You know, they, they seemingly got the starting pitching depth to be good enough again. My question is, will these young players continue to be great? Also, Jose Abreu has been really good his whole White Sox career. Last year, he was MVP level good. Can he do that again? I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, he's 34, right? So you're kind of at that point where does he continue to perform at that level? Was he really hot for 60 games? Can he keep doing it? If the White Sox offensive pieces, their young players, continue to ascend the way they are, then they should definitely be in the playoffs again. I mean, I still think the Twins are really good. I don't know who wins the division, but the White Sox look really, really good. And the adding, uh, the, the addition rather of Liam Hendricks, I think is is you know certainly a fantastic um, addition for the next couple of years. I don't love paying relief pitchers that kind of money, but he's one of the few guys that you can justify paying. So if those guys continue to ascend, the White Sox should be awesome. Um, I really like the mix of players that they have, but you know, you'll, we'll, we'll see because you just never know, right. You, you feel like they're in the right position and there's no reason that they shouldn't be good. So I like them going into this year. Um, but when you have young talent, sometimes guys regress a little bit. So as long as they keep progressing forward, there's no reason not to believe the white Sox will be good.
0: Jordan is on Twitter, at Jordan Burnfield. When are you on TV next, my man?
1: I am on TV uh, Friday evening. We've got uh, Cleveland State and Detroit Mercy rising league action. Cleveland State is 14-2. and They're leading the league. They're kind of a great mid-major college basketball story. So if you like college hoops and you want to watch Friday night, bless (laughs) your heart because we will always take – um, you know, anyone that that's interested and I, I really do. I, I mean, it sincerely the horizon league is really a fun league. It's, um, you know, these games have been a lot of fun. We've had two buzzer beaters. And so if you, if you like mid major hoops, um, join us because we will be there having fun.
0: And is that an ESPN game or is that NBC sports?
1: It is. And it is, a uh, ESPN U this oh, Friday nice. night awesome. at uh, eight central nine Eastern.
0: And are, are you so. traveling for that game or do you have a, a home set up there?
1: I, I am traveling. I'm not one of the lucky ones that got the home set up, but uh, <laughs> I, so I will be in the arena and uh, I will be in Cleveland Friday and it should be a lot of fun. Um, you know, the, the horizon league package is something I've been doing for uh, six years now for ESPN. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. They, there are some really, you know, great people, great games um, and, and really good talent. So hopefully, hopefully, uh those of you listening will join us and thank you for letting me, uh, shamelessly plug this for the, I will let let the record show that I did not ask to do this. So this is very kind of you to ask.
0: Well, Hey, um, I know you said it. You're not one of the lucky ones to be at home, but it's gotta be kind of nice to be in an arena at a live sporting event. I would imagine. No, no, it is. It is. What I,
1: what I mean by that is that, you know, just with the COVID environment traveling is, is a, is kind of a hassle, but I will say from the game calling standpoint, from my singular position of having to provide play by play for these games it is way better to be there than to be doing it from a studio i've done some games from a studio this year and i think that the that the people connected to these it's amazing the the technology is amazing but there's certain things that you just you you lose right like if there's a right if there's any confusion on the court you're not there yes. the officials can't come talk to you and i mean it, it's sort of the same thing for us cuz we're typically not on the floor, we're typically somewhere in the mezzanine level mm-hmm. of one of these arenas, but at least when you're there you can see a little more of what's happening as opposed to when you're in the studio relying on a monitor. And then of course if if something were to happen where we were to lose uh, the feed, then we're just flat out screwed. So <laughs> yeah, right. at least at least being at the game um you know re- relieves us of those worries.
0: Excellent. Well, Jordan, I'll let you get back to it. Um you know, I'm not sure when you're leaving. You said you're you're at Cleveland State, right?
1: Yes. Okay, yes. so
0: yeah, I'm not sure when you're leaving for Cleveland, but uh, safe travels my friend. Uh thanks for doing this. Uh I had I had Sam Paniatovich on last week. We were reminiscing a little bit about campus tailgate, you know, early Saturday mornings a few years ago.
1: A great show uh that was that was robbed of its of its potential <laughs> and uh on a station that died very quickly. Yes. Um but no, Brady, it's great to talk to you. Um you know, I'm I'm glad you're doing this podcast. I'll be sure To keep checking it out, and uh, you know, it's it's really great to reconnect. And you know, uh, one thing that I have told a lot of people um, throughout, you know, my journey in this insane business uh, that we chose is that, you know, it it really fulfills itself when you're around people that you like. And you know, I always really enjoyed working with you, my friend. And and uh, you know, I'm glad you're doing this podcast and getting to hear your voice again. It's really yeah, nice.
0: ditto. Absolutely. Well, next time you're at GN, say hello to uh, to everyone who I know there, Carm, Krista. I'm not even yes. sure who's still there. So do me a favor, say hello to everybody for me.
1: I, I will I will say hello to Bullet Bob there you and go. all the other legends for
0: you. <laughs> so. Awesome. Well, well, thanks, Jordan. We'll do it again uh, sometime soon.
1: You got it. Talk to you soon, Brady.
0: All right. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it.
1: Yep, no problem. Take care. Talk right. to you soon.
0: See you. Okay, bye. Bye. Sarah, you and I have known each other. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna age us here, but Sarah, you, you and I have known each other for almost 10 years. Can you believe that?
2: Um, I don't want to believe it, but I, I can believe <laughs> it based off of the number of things we've encountered together. <laughs> sure.
0: Uh, let me give you the full introduction here. Uh, my guest is Sarah Gosling. She is the owner, and founder, CEO president executive chair of the board you know what other title do you want to throw in there
2: <laughs> yeah all of it
0: uh, all of the um, above i
2: call myself the principal designer
0: there you go principal designer of gosling group and uh we'll we'll get to how she got to this point but um you know now that we're um you know past the super bowl sarah uh it's my podcast and i get to decide what we talk about even though it's mostly <laughs> focused on sports um you know, you're a, you're a small business owner in a global pandemic, so I thought it'd be interesting to hear about uh, your experience, uh, so we'll get to all that. Um, when I first asked you to be on the podcast, Sarah, you, you first asked me how much it paid, which uh, <laughs> which may or may not have come from your lovely wife, Jamie, but, um, you know, uh, unfortunately, with, with, you know, only a few listeners, not even I'm getting paid yet, so, you know. Um but <laughs> give uh, it time. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, we'll see about that. Um But uh you had to have at least watched the Super Bowl, right?
2: If i I I'm I'm gonna disappoint some people here by <laughs> saying that I literally didn't watch thirty seconds of the Super Bowl. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> well to to be honest, uh-huh. you didn't miss much because <laughs> There wasn't much to watch from a football perspective. Um, you know, the halftime show I thought was interesting. I don't know if you're a fan of the weekend. Um, I, I don't really know the weekend, but I knew all the songs that were on there. I, maybe I guess I just didn't know that all of those songs were by the weekend.
2: Right. I th- think I'm old enough now that like I know who these people are only because I hear their songs on the radio, but then when kids talk about it, I'm like, I don't know who the weekend is. And then you see them and they're singing. And you're like, Oh, I do know who the weekend is. Right. Okay. This is how my dad felt all those years. Yeah.
0: Yeah. With our, with our punk rock and our, uh, um, you know, right. rap music. Right.
2: Right. They're like, Who's some
0: 41. Yeah. Oh God. Now you're really dating us. <laughs> um, So, Sarah, uh, tell me how uh, Gosling Group originated. Um, I know you you were doing some things before uh, the idea to start your own business came about. So, uh, sort of bring us up to speed on on you know how we got to this point.
2: Well, uh, I am about twelve years into the design industry. I went to school for interior design and kind of worked all over the place in the industry, knew at some point in my future, I wanted to ultimately start my own business. I thought personally uh, it was going to come a little bit later than it did, but it just kind of ended up evolving in that direction. I was working as a director of sales for a large remodeling group in Chicago and then ultimately ended up landing a position as a director of operations at a a high-end interior design firm, which I ended up actually getting fired from. Um, We weren't really the right fit. I was a very different generation from the rest of the entire kind of C-suite of the company. And it really became apparent that the things that I wanted to bring to the design industry were things that I was going to have to do myself and I ultimately decided that it was kind of time that I step out on my own and and make it happen for myself so we're about two and a half years into Gosling group now um and you know we're just making it work so yeah
0: what was uh what was the conversation like with with Jamie was it was it an easy conversation to have (laughs)
2: <laughs> it was basically me saying, I think that I'm going to start my own design company. And she said, no, <laughs> um, that's <laughs> that sounds like a lot of work and kind of a terrible idea. And, you know, we're not really in a financial position to bankroll a huge company. Um, and it, it, it was clear to me that if I didn't jump in and just do it and figure it out, that I would keep just putting it off and working for other people for the rest of my life, um, which didn't ultimately feel like the right thing for me. So mm-hmm. she trusted me and, you know, she's been supporting me this whole time, really kind of having my back <laughs> emotionally <laughs> going through all of it. And is has been the reason that this has been able to be successful is that she's kind of allowed me to muscle my way through it and is now actually working for us full time, much to her chagrin.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So take us back before, uh, before COVID um, when, uh, I I mean, I guess Gosling group is still in its infancy, but um, you know, when it was, when you were just starting out, what was maybe the, the biggest challenge you faced both from both from a design uh, perspective and a, a a young small business owner perspective.
2: Yeah, uh, it was about a hundred times harder than I thought it was going to be, and I thought it was going to be hard. But honestly, you know, the biggest challenge was having worked for huge companies in the past and always being able to kind of turn to the person sitting next to me and saying like, Hey, what's the code for the width of a door going into an ADA bathroom, right? Like stuff that somebody else in the industry would just easily be able to say like, Oh, we need this many inches or something. And not, (laughs) not having then anybody to turn to, uh, to ask those simple questions and really then needing to figure it all out on my own. Um, that was intimidating and, you know, a little stressful, but the, you know, the, the scariest part is knowing that you have clients kind of in hand and, and working on these amazing projects, but then always needing to be kind of looking down the road at like what's coming next and knowing that the only way that you're really going to survive is by keeping the momentum, you know, and keeping those people coming in and getting your name out there and people to recognize you and know that like, this is a reputable company even though we've only existed for this amount of time
0: right right and one of the one of the coolest things that you do i think to market the business and uh you know it's it's the probably the most unique thing i've seen or, or at least you know in the in the design industry not that i'm an expert you're you're the expert here but um <laughs> you're your like time-lapse sketches that you do that, and put out on facebook and instagram is is that like uh something you've always done or how did that idea evolve
2: Uh, so that idea evolved because I, you know, after a long day of work, I, I know that I'm going to sound like a total nerd when I say that what I enjoy to, you know, kind of relieve my stress and, and kind of enjoy myself at the end of a long day is like sketching and kind of working through some of these ideas on paper and not necessarily having to be behind a computer screen while I'm doing it. And um that kind of started evolving into um, some of my clients being kind of interested in this idea of seeing their project being developed and so I started recording them and just sending them to some clients and they love to sort of see the thought process behind some of these spaces come together and that it kind of was actually one of my clients ideas like you should put this on facebook because it's cool to watch this evolve and and I was a new design business and looking for content and having a lot of projects in progress that I didn't have finished pictures for. And so I started posting these sketches and they got a really huge response. Um, and I can credit basically all of my Instagram famousness, which is basically <laughs> nothing, um, to <laughs> these sketches. Yeah. You
0: mean you weren't in- invited to Firefest?
2: I wasn't invited to Firefest. I thank God I wasn't because that was literally my worst nightmare <laughs>
0: happening there. We, um, we, we, Ann and I watched both documentaries. I think there was one on Netflix and one on, uh, I think it might have been Hulu. Um, Hulu, totally. Yeah. We watched both of them and just uh, the incompetence and. Man, that guy, <laughs> that guy Billy was—I forget his his name, but I think it was Billy something. <laughs> no. He looked like um, he looked like every douchebag that you ran into in college, right?
2: Absolutely, I definitely would spill a beer on that guy's head, <laughs> like without a question, one hundred percent. Yeah. Uh,
0: speaking of beer, random question that popped into my head: Have you had a chance to work on any breweries at all?
2: I haven't. We have done a couple of like light commercial spaces. How we, you know, classify that as essentially hospitality. Um, we've done a couple of co-working spaces and that kind of realm. I would love to do a restaurant or brewery. Here's looking at you, all these Chicagoland breweries um, that that would definitely be high up on my list of a place to design a hundred percent.
0: Awesome. Um, so uh, Sarah, one of the things that inspired me uh, to have you on the podcast is in this job that uh, that I'm doing now that I uh, came to about two and a half years ago, um, one of the the higher ups, he, he tells a story often about In his previous job, he was essentially running the company, and he often relays a story of just how busy he is during the day and uh, will play a YouTube video that's like a day in the life of an entrepreneur. So, um, you know, that that struck a chord with me, and I'm sure it does with you. Uh, Maybe just describe a a normal, pre-COVID, describe a day in the life (laughs) of, of Sarah Gosling.
2: Well, the remodeling and interior design business is interesting because it is literally different every single day, right? And so we run a full service interior design firm, which means that we take projects from initial conception through design development, product procurement and sourcing through remodeling and full furnishings. And so on you know a week to week basis, our job could look totally different, but Normally, um, my day starts at about six ish with my phone in my hand answering emails in bed um, until I can finally muster up the energy to actually get out of bed and get out the door, which is either going to a client's place, walking a job site, selecting product at a, a client's house, checking up on active jobs and Driving from one place to another on the phone with reps and vendors and clients in the car, um, while I'm <laughs> hustling all over Chicago um, to then end my day and then basically spend my night actually designing. And so, you know, really the the daytime work has very little design time in it, um, which is you know, sometimes frustrating because all I really want to do is get down into the design of it. But generally it's hustling all over the place, getting these projects that are, you know, actively being worked on to to actual completion, um, so that I can then spend my night working on the new ones.
0: Awesome. Um, so fast forward to March, 2020, um, COVID hits, right. Um, and I'm not sure, what you were doing maybe before (laughs) the middle of march when uh everything started officially shutting down but um you know much like you and i are on zoom now i'm i'm sure zoom became a much bigger part of of your day-to-day and your your way to connect with clients even though i'm and i'm sure that you know, being face to face with people and and literally physically being able to be in a space that you're trying to work on, um, you know, that's really where you're going to connect with, uh, with the space and and your client, right?
2: Right. It was terrifying. Um, March 14th was the day that everything, you know, shut down. And basically from March 14th through, I'll say May 30th. I was pacing around our house, <laughs> um, trying to figure out like what to do because all of our active construction projects just shut down. Um, everything stopped moving. Nobody knew what to do. Nobody really knew how to handle anything. I had enough in construction at that moment that I had pushed quite a few of our new client inquiries into the 1st of April, which obviously all canceled. (laughs) And (laughs) so I was very stressed. It was really bad. Um, and then all of a sudden may 30th hit and everything kind of came back on board and our project started moving again and we basically haven't slept since.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What, um, what, what's changed for the better, if anything,
2: You know, it really has been nice. We have quite a few clients who we're working on second homes for, and they're not here, right? You know, they're in Arizona, they're in Florida, they're in Colorado, they're in California, and we're able to work with them in a really efficient way now, whereas before we would kind of prioritize trying to bulk these meetings where they would come back and we would be able to meet in person and walk through stuff at the job site. And now that remote meetings have gotten so much better and we've gotten so much better at running them, it really doesn't feel much different working with a client who has a house in Chicago who lives in California than it does with somebody who lives in Lincoln Park, right? And so it, it's been nice to be able to kind of manage that timeline a little bit better and not necessarily have to worry about being physically in the same space, but um the on-site stuff is basically the same, other than the fact that we're all wearing masks while we scream at each other out of the <laughs> jumpsuit.
0: Well, and it's it's funny you you kind of mentioned that. Um, high school basketball just kicked off for me. Uh, you know, I, I'm a an official, and so I, I had my first game last night and other than, you know, the players wearing masks and and us wearing masks and there really not being anybody in the gym besides players, coaches and officials, it was it was basketball. You know, we're able to still do right. what we need to do.
2: Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, the world keeps moving. We're we're building projects still. It gives us more opportunity to kind of ask the client to move out during construction, which we always prefer anyway. And, you know, it, it really feels kind of normal. And then all of a sudden you step back out into the real world and you're like, I'm going to run to Starbucks. And then, you know, <laughs> uh, it, reality hits again. Right.
0: Right. Right. What's um, and, and I'm sure that, you know, your your former colleagues or people you've connected with over the years, um, you know, now you might call them competition. So what's what's that community like? What's what's competition <laughs> like for you?
2: I am really lucky in being able to be close with a couple of other owners and principals at a few other high-end interior design firms that exist out there. Um, I've gotten close to a couple other women in their 30s who are running similar similar companies and, and teams like this that were able to kind of have that conversation around like, oh, this is hard, you know, um, and and help each other through it. But the design world is so small that really the the competition is people who you need to be close with, right? Like, it's a a community, everybody is working with the same issues and, and kind of challenges. And so I think that even over this last year, it's really gotten a lot closer and people trying to help each other out. And and work through it together you know
0: yeah yeah definitely it kind of reminds me of the radio business um you know obviously you know people work at different stations and they're competing in in ratings books but we're all covering the same games we're all getting the same sound um you know it's it's just, it's one big community it's a small small uh small world business and uh it kind of sounds like it's the same uh in in the design world um do you have maybe a favorite project or two that uh, is either done or in progress that you're you know most proud of?
2: <laughs> we we are lucky to have a, a couple of really cool ones on the books right now, and um, we are kind of at the tail end of wrapping up a year long project for uh, a house in Lakeview that we've really gotten to be able to touch everything on, you know, and, and kind of furnish it top to bottom, remodel it top to bottom. And the clients are are incredible and really have allowed us to do some interesting design and entrusted us in doing some things that are a little bit out of the box. And so we're kind of looking probably six, eight weeks of wrapping that guy up. And that's going to be a lot of fun to see finished. Um, but the kind of wildest one that we have right now is a uh, a uh, natatorium, um, which I know is a close family friend of all of ours. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> we're we're building in addition for a 40 by 60 foot pool that will go inside of a pool house with a kitchen and bathroom and kind of full sauna and the whole thing kind of attached to a five car garage and gym and the whole deal and so, watching that kind of come off the ground finally is, is really a lot of fun. Is
0: that maybe the most unique undertaking you've had?
2: This is one of the more like niche products that we've looked at in, in the last couple of years. Um, there've definitely been some wild ones that we've done in the past, but this is one of the cooler, more unique projects for sure.
0: Awesome. Uh, Sarah, what are your what are your social handles? How how can people find you?
2: I am at Gosling Group on Instagram. Um, you can find me posting pictures of my projects and my cats. Uh, and then <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find us at GoslingGroup dot com and learn a little bit more about us if you want to.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm sure that we will see you again shortly. uh, Say hello to your lovely wife, Jamie, and we will see you soon. And we can't wait.
2: Love it. Thanks so much, Brady.
0: Well, that'll do it for this week's edition of And We're Back. Thanks again to Jordan Burnfield and my good friend Sarah Gosling for jumping on the pod this week. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.